0: Well, welcome to Forty Guard Live. I'm Derek Mankin. Joining me today, once again, is Amar Lakhani. It's always great to talk to you, Amar. How are you doing? Man, I'm excited. We're we're
1: back in conference season with you know That's... RSA coming up. Black Hat is back in full swing this year. It's going to be a pretty exciting year, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, adding to that excitement is uh, no break, <laughs> no rest for the wicked, as, as they say, right? Um, Continue to see uh, more and more activity that that we're tracking, and I uh, just wanted to talk to you about some of that too. Obviously, we we talk about this every day internally with Fortiguard Labs and, and our analysts and the playbooks that we're following. Uh, but you know, most recently, top of mind, uh, we just released another outbreak alert on uh, Fulina, right, which is a uh, yet another. Um, uh breaking vulnerability, this was uh, remote code execution, but actually arbitrary code execution, named after uh, an area code from what I understand, right?
1: Yeah, you know what? First of all, I think this was really interesting because it's it's essentially a, an office vulnerability. And for the most yeah. part, like how many times have we been like preaching to people, like make sure you don't run macros, you don't click on macros yeah. for office. And attackers just found a way around that. As always, they're like, OK, you know what? People are getting a little smarter about this. Let's kind of use another method. In this case, they're using essentially a compatibility checker, a, a error, uh, you know, uh, a way to like diagnose errors to run executable code. And once you do that, once you run executable code, potentially an attacker can connect to you, your machine remotely and then run code. I think that's why we're calling it remote executable code.
0: Yeah. And um, so, so what you're just talking about is essentially the exploitation sequence, right? And like, in order to do that, it, you know, it's a matter of, again, this, this is when we assess risk, right? How, how big of an issue is this, right? um and you know is it how many how many hoops do they have to go through in that exploitation chain is it is it as simple as remotely just pressing a button launching that proof of concept and owning the machine or in this case of course like like you said you have to have actual some interaction with an application in, in that environment like an office document that calls the service that gets the privilege escalation that actually launches the attack right so so those are things we look at when and in this case there are some extra who it's not like the you know the wanna cries of the world which is a fully wormable you know a remotely wormable um, routine right
1: right it's it's absolutely not what i would call a worm uh that means it's not going to spread on its own uh but uh you know how easy is it to spread i think that that depends on like how often do you open up like office yeah. documents that uh that are yeah. not like signed or not coming from a trusted uh you know source um you know and i think that does happen you know fairly often to a lot of people i mean we do open up a lot of documents that could possibly be infected so it's it's something that um you know i wouldn't take lightly especially since it is it is technically a zero-day, right? It's not a not a patch or uh, a patch is being worked on uh, that hasn't been fully tested yet. So that's that's always concerning when it when it comes out as a zero-day. Hopefully, by the time uh, everyone's seeing this, uh, there will be patches out
0: yeah so good news bad news again right the good news is yes there are extra steps uh, that the attackers have to go through the bad news as you said it's, it's zero day this has been out for a while there's there's more eyes on this now and look no further than log4j right anytime we get a lot of eyes on this there's more proof of concepts created there's more campaigns that start attacking that so time is of the essence of course um as as always but especially on these sort of outbreaks that are highlighted too right yeah absolutely yeah all right. So yeah, we'll continue to monitor that. Of course, you can check out our outbreak alert. We'll post updates on Felina specifically and any other events that we see with that. What what other trends are you seeing out there, Amar? Well, you know, you know, it's funny.
1: We always talk about trends, but it seems like it's always the things that you know we kind of like were concerned about in the past uh, that we thought we thought may have had the possibility of being weaponized or now being weaponized. There's always that kind of buildup. And then the yeah. second thing is it's things that kind of were relevant in the past, sometimes go away and become relevant again. For example, uh, you know, I know one of the things a lot of uh, uh, service providers are concerned about is BGP poisoning. Uh, There is some You know, evidence uh, of at least talk around BGP poisoning, especially when like redirecting traffic. I think with all the uh, political things happening in the world, you know, there's a lot of interest in like uh, making sure traffic doesn't get to a certain country or a certain state. Um, You you know, that's that's always scary. So I think some of these older attacks, kind of making a comeback or trying to be weaponized against in a modern era, is is a little scary. I I wouldn't say I never uh, see things that are completely brand new. It's always a a new way or a new implementation of things that we're, we've already, already kind of known about or scared about.
0: Yeah. And that, that's why I'm always careful when I say, it. again, I'm talking about trends. I never say that the attack surface uh, is, or the threat landscape is, is shifting, right? Because a shift indicates that they're abandoning their old methodologies. It's just like simple fishes and social engineering, right? It's really expanding and they're including new, as you said, new methods, um, uh of, of of older attacks too and like we we see that with um it's essentially modernizing these weapons as you said that's a good way of putting it I think um we've seen that with new vehicles for older attacks and 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 we still see old attacks old botnets old CBEs that that have been you know five to even in some cases 10 years old too so it's a matter of again how they're picking that up and trying to 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 modernize that right put it into different vehicles
1: yeah absolutely uh you know we see like this uh resurrection of uh old old attacks uh you know when i think of it, like uh you know the attack landscape i don't think of it like as a is it's as a timeline i almost think of it as as like a giant map and there's like hot spots that that come up uh once in a while we, remember that old uh, old arcade game where you're we like smashing things like little pop-ups yeah. I, I forgot yeah. to of that but, but that's a kind lack-a-mole. of yeah, yeah exactly whack a yeah
0: lack-a-mole,
1: exactly. yeah it,
0: it it really is living breathing it's an organism right the the and for that reason, yeah, some things can be dormant and then and, and come back absolutely. So that that, but that's a really important point, right? I think that um, again, we have to always be be ready for that. But uh, again, as you said, um, a lot of these can be used in new applications. I mean, um, they can be a lot of these old campaigns can be piggybacked on things like Folina, like the breaking vulnerabilities, right? But oftentimes, we'll see old old campaigns on that, which gets us into that whole. You know, we thought we've talked about it a lot but that whole kill chain discussion right defense and death is not just about pinpointing one of these but really understanding that whole exploit chain and where you can stop these attacks in, in their tracks too right
1: yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we when we talk, a lot of people sometimes get disappointed. They're like, "Hey, you know, we we've known about these techniques for a while. Why 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 can't we stop them all?" And it's it's not about just knowing the technique; it's knowing or understanding. Uh, you know, attackers getting creative on how they implement or uh, you know actually uh, you know do the initial attack on these techniques as well. But I think the kill chain obviously gives you multiple opportunities to stop those attacks. Uh, you know, and and multiple stages of that attack as well. So you can minimize or mitigate some of your risk and that's why I think it's really important to kind of take the um uh, you know things like uh miter attack ck things like a Lockheed Martin kill chain and operationalize those features as a defender to make sure that you are paying attention to like that whole life cycle of the attack and and being able to stop that
0: yeah yeah and speaking of operationalize um let's talk about going back to uh the the conference season right so uh RSA is 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 here and um you know in the past we have seen um uh, words well, themes right and words plastered all over the place machine learning artificial intelligence i mean this was three years ago three four years ago there's always a theme right um uh, since then of course there's been widespread adoption now of machine learning and artificial intelligence into various um, you know security solutions of course we got way ahead of that with Fortinet and 40 guard labs um you know uh, nearly 10 years ago where we started that Uh, putting it into various products and obviously have those all interoperating to be able to support that, you know, that, that Lockheed Martin kill chain and supporting miter attack and all that, that you said too. Um, And so that's led to our journey with federated machine learning and AI, but that's not actually new, right? We've done this before and we've seen, uh, we've, we've implemented this. Um, So I'm curious, you know, uh, what, what, what we think we'll expect at RSA uh, this year. I think You know, to me, one thing that comes to mind is obviously there's been a big a big change in the last two years in terms of work from anywhere, uh, hybrid networks and environments now. uh, And and obviously, I think focus on security is going to be big, right, I think on on, on the hybrid networks, not just on the hybrid networks and security, but again, why do you need that? Because of this, this organism, we talked about this, these, um, you know, old attacks that are coming in, but being modernized to to capitalize on attacks for hybrid uh, networks, as an example.
1: Yeah, I know. I know every time me and you go to RSA, we we kind of do this walkthrough for the vendor area, and we always come back and say, hey, uh, there was like this one theme that we saw over and over again, right? And I don't know what that's going to be uh, until we do that walkthrough, but my yeah. guess is that it will be, it will definitely include the hybrid workforce. And when I mean by the hybrid workforce, not only work from home, but this uh, this shift, uh, this uh, rapid shift, uh, you know, to cloud-based infrastructure as well, and, uh, and uh, you know, cloud-based applications. So I think uh, we're going to see a combination of that because people, you know, have shifted, you know, at least to some degree away from being in the office and having data centers in the basement of their organization to like spread out data centers globally, Uh, whether that's in the cloud or a hybrid environment and cloud environments, we're going to see that. Um, I also think that, um, you know, and as you said, we've been talking about AI for a long time, I, I felt like we were a little bit ahead of the game, but I think a lot of people are now catching up and understanding that to do true, um, you know, infrastructure protection, especially when we're talking about something massive as a cloud with so much data that there is going to have to be automation, and there's going to be have to there has to be an AI component to that. So, uh, so I see, you know, I think that's, that's, if I was going to guess, I think that's the theme we're going to see walking around is a lot of AI with a remote hybrid workforce, uh, protection capabilities
0: yeah one thing uh, there, there are some things that we do know ahead of time of course too uh, so of course we do know that getting back to the spirit of these in-person events and uh, collaboration all the partnerships that that we uh, that we that we contribute to and that we've founded like cyber threat alliance um, you know, our research partnership with MITRE Ingenuity, the Center for Threat Informed Defense, the Center is going to be there, Cyber Threat Alliance is going to be there. We have meetings with them, of course. So it's a lot of those very valuable in-person, you know, events that are having to help drive innovation and 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 that. So I'm I'm quite excited about that. Um, And then, of course, we have um, our talks, you know, where John Madison, our CMO is speaking, Um, we're we're also both speaking there. Um, So I have a a keynote panel session on Thursday talking with the World Economic Forum. So that's also an innovation piece, right? Something, the what's new, how we're trying to map the cyber criminal ecosystem. Um, not just technical IOCs, but how are how are cybercrime operations um, running, right? How, what's, what's their uh, operational model? What are their money laundering networks look like? What are the connections between those groups? All that con- sort of fascinating stuff uh, we'll be talking about in that panel. And I, I know, Amar, you have a session as well too, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first of all, I'm really looking forward to your talk because I'm always a fan of those shows, those spy shows, and it's always about going after the money and going after the motivation. So I can't wait to hear your panel. But uh, mine is, uh, you know, the themes that you brought up of what old, is, what's old is new again, and resurrecting mm-hmm. old attacks. Uh, so my talk is uh, resurrecting old botnets. How botnets never die. It's literally taking botnets that we thought were long gone from uh, from the world and seeing if we can resurrect them and what kind of infections do we have in the world. Like how many organizations are still infected with these botnets that are making callbacks to servers that don't exist anymore, and what happens if they do exist? You know, can you can you own them? Can you attack them? Uh, and what is the risk uh, matrix on that?
0: Yeah, fascinating stuff. And and you're right, botnets that never die. We've learned that through FortiGuard Labs for sure. But I'm sure you have a lot of new insights. So I'm also really excited for your talks tomorrow. Really, uh, you're you're always you're always thinking ahead, which I love. And it's uh, definitely be be quite fascinating. So uh, to all the listeners and viewers out there, uh, you can check out our complete recap for RSA at our uh, blog, our Fortinet blog, blog.fortinet.com. And in addition to Folina and all the other breaking security research we have, but we uh, do have a full summary and recap for all everything that's taking place, everything RSA. So I encourage you to check that out. Thanks, Lamar, for talking to me again. I will look forward to seeing you at RSA. This is Derek Mankey signing off with 40 Guard Live.